Good morning, basketball fans. Welcome to this week's edition of the Small College Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Cottrell. With more than 10 years of NCAA Division I and Division II men's basketball coaching experience, with relationships in college basketball across the nation and across all levels. Every week I work to bring you the only podcast with news, scores, highlights, and insight from men's basketball at the NCAA Division II, NCAA Division III, NAIA, NCCAA, and the USCAA levels. Combined, these levels of college basketball beyond Division I account for nearly 1,200 small colleges and universities across the country. We are here to celebrate their basketball programs, players, coaches, and history together. The Small College Basketball Podcast is a production of smallcollegebasketball.com and founder John McCarthy on a mission to unite all people with a passion for small college basketball. Welcome back, small college basketball fans, as we begin this episode with news from the small college basketball team led by John McCarthy. This week, small college basketball announced the participating teams and schedule for the 2022 Champions Classic. This is an inaugural event that will be hosted by Northern State University. Games will be held within Walks Arena. Games will be played on November 18th and 19th of 2022. Participating teams include Illinois Wesleyan, Nebraska Wesleyan, St. Joseph, Wisconsin Oshkosh, Carroll, Morningside, Indiana Wesleyan, Dakota Wesleyan, Queens, Point Loma Nazarene, Northern State, and Ferris State. Northern State University and Watts Arena consistently lead the country in NCAA Division II men's basketball attendance record. No doubt that Northern State and Coach Saul Phillips will be great hosts for this event in their 8,000-seat arena to be held in Aberdeen, South Dakota, welcoming all levels of small college basketball. Small college basketball team is thrilled with the field for the Champions Classic, excited to bring some of the best NCAA Division II, NCAA Division III, and NAIA teams to one site, for what will become the national showcase for small college basketball. This is a great announcement. I know John McCarthy is really excited, as well as the entire team at Small College Basketball. For more information on the 2022 Champions Classic, please visit www.smallcollegebasketball.com. And now on to today's interview. Very excited to be joined by one of the young, up-and-coming head coaches in NCAA Division II men's basketball, head coach of the number 16-ranked Lincoln Memorial University Rail Spurters, Jeremiah Samaripis. Samaripis is in his first season as the head coach at Lincoln Memorial, taking over a program after experiencing unparalleled success as an assistant coach under then-head coach Josh Schertz. Schertz left for NCAA Division I Indiana State in this past spring. Sam Ripus was a graduate assistant for two seasons before becoming an assistant coach. He was Schertz's top assistant last season when the rail splitters advanced to the program's third NCAA Division II Final Four in his time there. I had the opportunity to work with Jeremiah in 2016-17. We're fortunate enough to go to the Division II Elite Eight and make a Final Four appearance. This will be a fun interview. A lot of good stuff going on down in the Southeast in Tennessee. Currently, Lincoln Memorial is ranked 16 in the nation. They're 16-3 and three overall. 
13 and 3 in the South Atlantic Conference. But they've got four straight road games coming up. We're going to talk about that challenge with Coach Sam Aripas. Germ, welcome to the Small College Basketball Podcast. I know it's a busy time of year. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, very excited. Obviously, listen to the podcast a ton. You know, you do a great job. You know, everybody that you have on here is heck of a coaches, um, you know, and, and had a ton of success. So I'm just happy to, to be on and talking with you. Yeah, man. Tell us a little bit about uh, tell us a little bit about Lincoln Memorial University. Obviously, I'm familiar with it, but uh, tell the listeners about Lincoln Memorial and uh, your, your situation there. Well, we're located in, in East Tennessee. Um, we're on the border of Tennessee, Kentucky and Virginia, probably about an hour north of Knoxville. Um, we're kind of in the middle of, of a ton of major cities for three hours away from Cincinnati, four hours from Atlanta, four hours from Charlotte. So we're kind of in the middle of all those major cities, but it's a more rural area. Um, really good institution, academics, very high academic school. Um, we're probably about, I think we're two thirds graduate as far as students go, one third undergrad, 5,500 students. Um, like I said, really good academics and then athletics is continuing to grow ton of support here for men's basketball and just athletics in general. So um, outstanding university, and I'm happy to serve as the head coach. Yeah, you've coached your entire career at Lincoln Memorial. Uh, started out as a grad assistant under Coach Schertz, steadily working your way up to become the top assistant coach. Now, of course, you're the head coach at Lincoln Memorial. Talk about your journey, your time there, and your transition coming into this season to become the head coach. Yeah, like you said, starting in uh, 14, 15 as a GA, immediately going from playing at Tennessee Tech right to coaching. So that was a, a big step for me just to make that transition from a player to a coach um, going in at 21. I, I was a I was a young guy. So uh, making that transition over to the big. Hey, you're still you're still a young guy. You're still Thanks. a young guy. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> making making that transition transition over to the bench. And then doing it under under Coach Shirts, you know, I couldn't ask for a better mentor, talking about an elite coach at any level in this country, um, to be able to learn from him, you know, for seven years. Uh, it's probably the best thing that can ever happen to me. I thought about going to play professionally, um, but ultimately decided that, you know, stepping in early as a assistant coach, getting my feet wet, being able to recruit, uh, especially at the Division II level. You know, as a graduate assistant, I could go on the road. Um, I could do in-home visits being able to get out in AAU um, throughout the high school season and recruit and build relationships, you know, all of that mattered early in my career. Um, that valuable experience really made me want to continue to try to grow more and more. And uh, like I said, just learning from Josh, you know, I feel like, you know, it's kind of put me where I needed to be. And uh, LMU has been, been great to me up to this point. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite a transition that you talk about, especially being there for Coach Shirts. Uh, nobody better to start your career working for. Uh, I can, I can definitely speak to that. And you had, Jeremy, you guys had a lot of success as an assistant while you're there. And Lincoln Memorial is a place with high expectations. Uh, you, know, you know, across the board. I mean, fans there are really passionate. The administration is really passionate about athletics and men's basketball. How have you been able to manage? Uh, the expectations so far and then how's the like how have you felt pressure as you've kind of gotten started on your head coaching career uh, of, of course um, <laughs> being being at a place like LMU 
uh, like I said, my last seven seasons with shirts, you know, three final fours, playing in a national championship game, winning the conference six years out of the last seven years. Um, so the expectations here, like you said, are through the roof. And, you know, I, I think with administration, they understood going into this first year um, that we weren't going to start out and go undefeated. You know, that's not how it works, especially with the roster turnover. Um, but we're just taking it day by day. We're trying to be process oriented. And, you know, we've got a ton of great kids. They're all buying in. Um, and we're really trying to add on to the legacy that Shirts has built here, former players. I mean, we had a ton of good players, as you know. Um, it all starts with players. So, you know, having the right people in the room, you know, high character guys, high IQ guys, guys that only care about winning. I think that's where it starts. Yeah. And I want to jump to something you said real quick, former players over the weekend, uh, Lincoln Memorial honored Dorian Pinson, obviously, uh, you know, a, a tragic situation, but uh, what was that like to have coach shirts back on campus and then to have some of Dorian's teammates who are all just incredible dudes, incredible players and great human beings what was it like to have that environment back in text turner over the weekend it was it was unreal um the environment like you talked about having former players former coaches just to have them in attendance you know just to be present with those guys it was special um you know shirts obviously enjoyed it you know tons of hugs and laughs and old memories old stories um you know everything that we're trying to preach to our guys throughout the season. They got to see it firsthand with how passionate our, our former players are, you know, the love that Coach Shirts gets when he comes back in town. Um, and then doing it for Dorian, you know, the reason why we're, you know, retiring that number 15, hanging it up in the banners, um, you know, what he represented for our program, what he's able to do as a player, but also off the court, you know, how he mentored our, you know, players at the time, how he – held everybody accountable, how he interacted with people on campus, whether you're in a cafeteria or the bookstore or, you know, somebody in administration. Um, you know, he was everything for our program. Obviously, the numbers speak for themselves on, on what he was able to do on the court. But the type of person that Dorian was, um, you know, he was someone we all wanted to be and how he was able to bring, you know, people from all different kind of backgrounds together. Um, you know, he had the perfect balance of being super competitive, um, but also, again, being able to hold guys accountable and, you know, laugh and joke with them at the same time. I mean, he was just a special person, a special player and everything that we want our program to be about. Yeah, he was a he, he was a great person, uh, made me a better coach while I was there as an assistant, for sure, made me a better coach, but also uh, a terrific competitor. I mean, just probably the best Unreal. competitor I've ever uh, best competitor I've ever been around, for sure. Um, yeah. So so terrific person. And, uh, and it's a nice, nice way for you to honor him uh, and his memory, for sure, with the number of retirement, the jury's retirement. And we talked a little bit. Uh, you mentioned earlier some of that turnover from last season. Yeah. Last season, you guys go 19 and four at Lincoln Memorial through the COVID protocols. You advance to the Final Four, and anybody that watched that game saw the the buzzer beater, uh, West Texas A&M. Obviously, Coach Shirts left uh, right away for Indiana State. A lot of turnover. What were some of the changes that you had to navigate with your staff and then with your roster? Yeah, the the staff, you know, had to hire. Uh... Entirely new staff outside of Cooper Neiman, who was a GA with us last year. 
Um, he stayed on staff. So being able to locate guys that fit in as far as character goes and also, you know, being high basketball IQ, guys that I trust, um, you know, that was tough in general. But I think we got the right guys. They all fit in really well. The players love them. And then the roster turnover in general, we lost eight players, um, five of our top seven. Two guys went pro with Devin Whitfield and Shaquille Rombley. You know, Jabo, Cam, and Simon all went to Indiana State. Julius went to West Texas. Keen went to Charleston. And we had another guy that transferred. So eight, you know, total players out of our 16-man roster last year. So being able to, you know, piece together guys that I thought fit in with our culture, obviously trying to make sure they're good enough. You know, as as you know, at our level, you know, it's about the evaluation. You got to get good players. Obviously, you got to get good people, high-character kids. Um, but making sure that we were able to evaluate, you know, with my new staff, understanding what it takes at LMU, the type of player we've got to get to be successful, you know, all of that. It was definitely, you know, a challenge, but I like where we're at and the guys that we brought in, they all fit in well. And, you know, that's a big part of our success, but we also have guys that didn't play last year that were on the team, but just didn't get any type of minutes that are being very, very impactful this season. Yeah, so I want to get to your roster. I mean, a, a ton of turnover, obviously. You lost a lot, reconfiguring your coaching staff. Um, talk for a minute about two of the key returners. I mean, you look at your roster, Alex Dowling, key returner. He's a sixth-year guard for you due to COVID and the additional year of eligibility from the NCAA. Also look at Jordan Guest, uh, forward, who's back. Talk a little bit about Dowling. Uh, I, I know Alex personally. I love him. Um, but what's his leadership meant for you while you went through this transition? Like to have someone like Alex Dalling in his sixth year in the program, what did that mean to you as the, as the new head coach? Man, I, I, you know, I was the first guy to go watch Alex live while recruiting him. So to see this come full circle, um, it's unreal, but Alex is great, um, to see him grow into the leader that he's in now compared to where he was at his freshman year. Um, you know, speaking of Dorian Pinson, he was a senior Alex's freshman year. So Alex learned from the right guys and to see him to step in this leadership role this year. Um, you know, it, it, I'm happy to see it because, you know, he's such a great person. He's the ultimate competitor. He's the ultimate winner. You know, he's a team guy first, um, which matters. So when your best leaders are your best winners, you know, you really got something going for your roster. So he's been great. Uh Obviously, he can shoot the crap out of the ball from the three-point line, but he's being able to put pressure on the rim this year a little more than he was in the years past. He has a bigger role, obviously. Um, he's actually turned into our best defender, so we can put him on the other team's best player, and, and, and you know he can shut him down or slow him down. He also can guard multiple positions, so he's invaluable for our team this year. Yeah, and talk about Jordan Guest. Uh, Jordan Guest, forward for you, had an outstanding showing in the national tournament last year. This year he is averaging 16 points per game, eight rebounds per game. He's shooting 40% from three. Jordan Guest is super versatile. Yeah, very talented. Um, with Jordan, we're trying to get him to play more consistent. You know, he loves the big games. He's uber competitive. Um, but getting him ready to go every night, you know, he can fill it up from the three-point line, like you said, last year uh, in the Sweet 16 game versus Emmanuel. You know, he was 10 for 14 from the three-point line. And you don't usually see that from from bigs, especially at our level. 
um, so he can fill it up on the perimeter. But even more so this year, we're throwing it inside to him, and he can score with his back to the basket. He's playmaking. You know, he's defending at a pretty high level. When he wants to dominate the glass, he can dominate the glass. He's had some games this year with 16 rebounds. Um, so, you know, Jordan Guess is one of the elite players at this level, you know, in our region, in our conference, especially when he's ready to go. So Jordan Guess is really good basketball player, and his future is really bright. Yeah, absolutely. And we mentioned Dalling, 14 points per game, 38% from three. He can really fill it up. So you got two guys who are not only uh, putting up great numbers, but they're also two of your best leaders and, and two guys, you know, that understand the system at Lincoln Memorial. But the last returner I want to get into uh, who played some minutes last year, not a ton, Chase Rankin is, is off to a pretty good start this season. He's averaging 12 points a game. Uh, he's averaging six rebounds per game. You know, talk about Chase. He's had, he had a great week this past week. So talk about Chase, how he's fit in and, and taken on an expanded role. Yeah, I love Chase. He's a program guy. You know, he's been here for the last few years, but just hasn't had the opportunity. He's been uh, been behind a few guys. And uh, to see him put in the work on a day-to-day basis, he's in the gym all the time, spends a ton of time just working on his game, watching film, and to see the evolution of him just putting in the work and then now for him to get the results that he wants. Um, you know, I love it. I'm very happy for him. You know, he's one of the best playmakers in the league. Um, he had 12 assists in our last game, but he also can rebound the ball. He's had a triple-double this year. Um, you know, he's a great leader as well. He does everything the right way, and uh, he leads by action more than he does actually, you know, using verbiage. So um, Chase is, again, another guy that's invaluable. And then he, he can defend as well, so he slows down. The other team's point guard, you know, he can pressure the ball. But like I said, I really love his playmaking ability. We've got a ton of shooting, and he does a great job of finding our shooters and dumping it off to guys around the rim. Yeah, he's 3-1 to one assist to turnover ratio on the season. So getting the ball to the right spots, obviously a strength. Then you put good shooting around him. It's a recipe for success. And with all the turnover you had in the spring, uh, Germ, you know, Talk about some of the newcomers and, and some of the guys that maybe had redshirted. Uh, definitely want to ask about uh, Mikel Burris and Matthew Sells, Jordan Waters, some guys who uh, guys who are stepping up and, and playing bigger roles for you. Yeah, Mikel, you know, he's a freshman again this year. He redshirted last year. He was a redshirt freshman, obviously with COVID, you know, so he'll be he's a freshman again this year. So having him out there. Um, being around guys in our program the last two years, even though he didn't play, you know, I think has helped him. Um, but now that he's got his opportunity, you know, he's not letting up. Um, he's leading our team in three-point field goal percentage, you know, one of the best scorers in the league, probably one of the best scorers in the country when he's locked in. You know, when he's locked in, he's the best player on the floor. And you're talking about, you know, him playing alongside Jordan Gass and Alex Dalling. And, you know, when he's on, he's on. Uh, but he's only getting better. He's more committed on a defensive end than he's ever been. Um, like I said, can really fill it up from all three levels, can make threes off the catch, off the bounce, can get to the rim. Um, you know, one of – and like I said, he's only a freshman, so he's only going to get better and will be one of the premier scorers in the country. Uh, Matthew Sells, true freshman, um, local kid um, from Tennessee, really shoot the ball, um, can, can play make a little bit off the bounce, 
he's getting better as well. He reminds me of Alex Dalling, um, which I joke with both of those guys all the time. But, you know, Sales has a chance to be really good. And to be able to get this experience as a true, true freshman is only going to help him moving forward. And then Jordan Walters, you know, playing at an elite level right now for us. He's kind of like a glue guy for us. Um, can defend, can rebound. He's second in our conference in field goal percentage right now. Um, he can play make. You know, he has games where he can get five or six assists plus 10 or 11 rebounds and 15, 16 points. So he can fill the stat sheet up. And, uh, you know, like I said, like a, like a glue guy for us. And uh, he's another guy that's a freshman as well. So we've got a ton of young guys that are getting experience and it's only going to help us moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at uh, you look at a guy like uh, Mikel Burris. He's shooting fifty percent from behind the arc. You know, he's fifty percent from three. Yeah, it's an incredible number with uh, with uh, you know with with fifty makes. So it's not like he's only you know he's ten for twenty. He's shooting the ball at a high level. Uh, yeah. You look at you look at some guys like Sells or Waters, obviously putting good players on the floor. Anybody else? coach that's uh, performed maybe better than you expected or has been a pleasant surprise for you this year? Yeah, Martez Brown, uh, junior college kid that we got late. Um, really like him. In Juco, he averaged a double-double. He was around 15 points, 12 rebounds a game. Um, for us, he's only playing 14 minutes a game for us, but he's getting six points and six rebounds a game, you know, in 14 minutes. I like where he's at. He's getting better and better as the year progresses. Um, and he's another guy, you know, with COVID, he's only a sophomore. So um, very intelligent, can block shots, can get steals, can handle the ball. Um, rim, rim protects for us as well. Um, so Martez Brown is another guy that continues to get better and better. And I think he's only going to benefit from, you know, our player development here at LMU. And he's going to be, you know, one of the best bigs in the conference in a few years. So I really like him. And his energy, his effort that he brings to our team off the bench. You know, you need guys that will come in and do the dirty work and get some blocks and get some steals and rebound. Like I said, six rebounds and, uh, you know, six points in only 14 minutes a game. And one of our one of our big wins this year, we played Tusculum early in the season. You know, he came off the bench and got 16 points and nine rebounds for us. So, um, you know, he has his moments. And like I said, he's only getting better. Yeah, absolutely. You have You have six players – averaging double-figure scoring. You've got eight players playing more than 10 minutes per game. Uh, Brown, obviously, one of them. Talk about your depth. How has that helped your style of play? How has it helped you navigate this kind of COVID season still? Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. We only have 11 available guys. We had two guys that uh, tore their ACLs in August. So, um, you know, we are limited with our roster. As you know, we usually have a – a ton of guys and one of the things that I think has made us successful is you know our preparation going into games as a scout team you know guys that are red shirting um, guys that might not be getting a ton of time um, you're going head to head with the starters every day so I think it's hurt us some actually you know I wish we had more guys for practice so we can be a little more competitive and uh, get better looks going into the game um, but also playing a small rotation you know, everybody knows their role. Um, we have pretty good chemistry already, even though we have a ton of, of new guys on our team, you know, guys in different roles compared to last season. Um, so it's kind of like a, a, a good mixture of, of, you know, new guys coming in, but also 
Um, at the same time, it would be nice for preparation if we could have a, a pretty good scout team because you look at the guys that are playing right now, you know, Jordan Walter's scout team last year, Mikel, Chase, I mean, a lot of these guys, Luke Bartimus, um, you know, they were playing on our scout team last year and now they're getting their chance. You know, I think if we did have a, a few more guys available, um, we would be getting a little more out of practice. Yeah, you guys are currently leading the South Atlantic Conference in scoring your 88 points per game, but you're also tops in the league in field goal percentage defense, limiting your opponents to 40% from the field. That's been a calling card at LMU uh, for a decade. Uh, and, and so a lot of success that you're carrying over from Coach Schertz's you know, coaching, uh, coaching stint, but what are some of the things, some of the wrinkles maybe that you've adjusted uh, once you moved from assistant coach to head coach, what have you changed? What have, uh, what have you been able to do that, that maybe speaks a little bit more to your personality while maintaining that high standard of performance? Uh, we're, we're doing a lot of stuff that's very similar to when Shirts was here. Obviously, it all comes down to personnel. Um, you know, we've had some really good shooting teams here in the past. I think this roster, we've had the most shooting that, you know, since I've been at LMU that we've had here. So, you know, we're taking more threes. Um, we're still trying to generate, you know, open layups, getting fouled and taking open threes. Uh, most of our offense is, is generated off touching the paint. So whether we get a paint touch off of a dribble drive, a post up, a roll, a cut, you know, we're still predicating everything off of, you know, touching the paint. Usually when we touch the paint, something good happens. All of our guys know that. So, you know, we talk a lot about paint touches. Um, and then the offense itself is still free flowing. Like I said, we take a ton of threes. We're throwing it inside a little more than we've had in the past because of Jordan Gas going back to personnel, you know, letting him take advantage inside and also using him as a playmaker. You know, he has pretty good feel when teams want to double, you know, we trust him enough to throw it out to the perimeter and we have a ton of shooting, you know, guys can either, you know, shoot an open three, make a one more or redrive it and touch the paint again. So, um, you know, all of that is still the same. And then defensively, again, it goes down to personnel. Um, luckily, working for shirts, I feel like, you know, we have a pretty good formula on how we guard teams and actions. Um, so I haven't changed much with that. Um, so, you know, we're we're trying to uphold to the standard that's here. Yeah, very good. Very good. So we've talked quite a bit about your season this year. Uh Let's dive into the South Atlantic Conference. One of the okay. best conferences in NCAA Division II men's basketball has been very strong uh, historically. This season, right now, it's you and Queens University have both been ranked nationally all season. Both have great talent. Uh, inside of the South Atlantic Conference, there are um, four players who were named as Bevo Francis Award Watchlist players, that small college basketball player of the year award. The coaching is really good. The talent's really good. You know, your team just got a huge win over Wingate this past weekend. How do you see the league shaping up? You've got a big four-game stretch uh, on the road coming up. You know, what's your thought on the league? What's your thought on your team headed into that stretch? Yeah, the league is really good. Um, it's probably as good as it's been. You know, Queens is obviously really good. Tusculum. Wingate, Carson Newman, Newberry. I mean, everybody in this league has players, has good coaches. Um, and even going back to last year, you know, they cut the the regional teams down to six instead of eight. And, you know, we get four of the six teams into the NCAA tournament. So um, always going to be a tough league. 
Um, like you said, with our schedule moving forward, we only have uh, two home games remaining in February. So we'll be on the road a ton. Our guys are going to have to dial in mentally um, because obviously playing against LMU, we get everybody's best shot. And then it's it's tough in general to win games on the road. So the South Atlantic Conference is, yeah, as good as it's been. Yeah, and, and four games on the road coming up. What's the mentality to keep a guy? We talked about Jordan Guest, you know, that consistency. What's the mentality you have to have going forward, four games on the road, big stretch? Yeah, game by game, you know, being process-oriented, you know, taking it one game at a time. Um, and even dating back to, to uh, Saturday, having all those former guys around, you know, I think we're really starting to buy in and understand what it means at LMU and why it's so special to play here and, you know, to take everybody's best shot and still have a chance to win a ton of games and win a conference championship, you know, how special that would be. Um, so our guys are, are, are learning. And like I said, we're just kind of go going game by game, one game at a time, trying to make sure that we're, we're locked in. You know, we got Anderson next. So all we're worried about right now is Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the league is that league is so tough. It's always been really good. It's gotten better as uh, we've gotten closer to recent history. And, and Lincoln Memorial has been ranked consistently the last 10 years, uh, really without fail. They've been in the preseason ranking and throughout the season, the top 25. This year, you were preseason number 17 in the NABC coaches poll. Then you're picked fourth in the South Atlantic Conference coaches poll. So, you know, navigating the expectations, navigating the turnover, navigating COVID, lots of challenges for you all at once. You know, how how did you how do you feel you've done getting to this point? And and what do you feel are some of the things going forward that you and your team have to be ready for? What's your mindset going forward as you continue to navigate these challenges? Well, you know, we're never satisfied, obviously. You know, I, I would love to be undefeated right now, and our players would say the same thing. Um, so, you know, moving forward, it's game by game, trying to make sure that we can give ourselves the best chance. You know, usually at LMU, we're trying to host the region for the NCAA tournament. You know how important that is, Spe- you know, specifically playing in Tex Turner Arena where, you know, right now I believe we have the longest active home win streak. I think it's 41 games in a row. Um, so, you know, looking at that moving forward, you know, how can we continue to build, how can we reach our, you know, potential as a team, you know, our ceiling, I keep telling our guys, like, we're nowhere near where we can be, um, especially with all the new guys, the new faces. Um, so we've got a ton of upside and we're just trying to, you know, be the best team that we can be. And if, if we do that, you know, we'll all be, be happy with the results at the end of the day. So taking it game by game. Like I said, with a ton of new guys, we're all getting experience. Guys are trying to learn how to win. We have some guys that haven't won at this level before, you know, including me as a head coach. It's one thing to be the assistant. It's a totally different thing to be the head coach. Um, so, you know, same for me, learning how to win, um, but also trying to uphold the legacy that, you know, coaches and players, like I said before, that have been here and that have went through the same struggles that we're going through, taking everybody's best shot, you know, trying to do – you know, what some people seem impossible, you know, we're trying to make it, you know, normal for us. This is, you know, who we are. This is what our program is. You know, there's no shine away from what LMU is and all of our guys coming into our program is what they wanted and what they expected. And the same with me when I took over. So. 
Yeah, and you mentioned right there, Tex Turner Arena, the importance of not only hosting a regional, but but having that home court advantage. Obviously, 41-game winning streak is incredible. What was that moment like for you when you took the court as the head coach, that first game, that first walk out of that tunnel? What did it feel like, and, and what was going through your mind? Well, the, the first game in Tex Turner, uh, we were – it was against Anderson, who's our who's our next next opponent, um, and they beat Flagler. You know, they upset Flagler mm-hmm. that weekend before. So I'm like, oh man, I can't we can't lose my first game here. We've got to be we've got to be locked in. So I was a little nervous, um, but you know, um, at the end of the day, you get good players and good people around you. You know, you're gonna you're gonna get the results that you want. So I uh, was a little nervous, but uh, you know, once the game starts going. You know, all that went away, just like a player, you know, just at the start of the game, the momentum, the adrenaline, you know, once the ball goes up, all that kind of goes out the window and you just kind of coach and do what you know to do. Yeah. And and I want to talk about that, uh, that transition for you from player to coach. And you just mentioned it, you know, having the the angst and then when the ball goes up, whether you're a player or a coach, it just kind of goes away and you get in the flow of the game. You had a very successful playing career, high major at uh, SMU mid-major at Tennessee Tech. What, what, what were you able to take, Jerm, as a player, and what have you been able to apply to being a head coach? How did your playing experience help you, you know, for this moment and to navigate your career right now as a head coach, your season as a head coach? Uh, well, I, I think the, the player-to-coach relationship, you know, I think back to my relationship with, you know, not even in college, you know, back in high school, you know, my, my coach – you know, knew I wanted to be a, a college coach, so he coached me in a different manner than everyone else. But, you know, I think the relationship that you have with your players is very important. So, you know, I take that in consideration every day, you know, with how I coach them, how I interact with them, you know, how we treat each other. Um, but the playing experience itself, you know, I just think you have a better feel for the game, you know, especially you know, at, at, at this point, basketball has changed so much. Everybody on the floor can play make and could technically be a point guard of some sort, you know, but kind of when I played, you know, I brought the ball up every time. And so I was, I was, you know, I was the representation of the coach on the floor. So being able to, you know, have that experience of almost being a quarterback and reading the defense, understanding what we're trying to accomplish on both ends of the floor. You know, I think that really um, prepared me for, you know, stepping over to the sideline and now as the head coach of my own team. Hey, as the head coach, you're not on scout team anymore. That's not happening. No, that, no, I, I miss I miss those days because uh, you know at least I got some quality exercise going up and down. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, Shirts joke with me about that a a while ago. But no, no longer on uh on scout team. We do have an assistant, um, Tyler Kelly, who's also you know he played at Florida Southern and won a national championship at Florida Southern, but. He still got it a little bit, and he helps us out on scout right now. So uh, he's doing a good job giving him a shout-out. Malava's never allowed to be on scout team, and, and you know that for a fact. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's for, that was better for everybody. Listen, man, one, one last question to get you out of here. I want to respect your time, uh, respect uh, you know this, this time of the season and what you're going through. But definitely want to acknowledge you for what you've been able to accomplish and uh, acknowledge you for, you know, the success you've had and wish you continued success. And LMU seems to be in good hands right now and you guys are rolling. So uh, definitely want to want to shout out, you know, what you've been able to do and, and of course, continued success. 
But um, but one final question. You know, you had that playing career at, you know, high major level, mid-major level, and then you come back to Division Two to start your coaching career. So now you've been a D2 guy. You know, you've been getting paid as a D2 guy. Yeah. What what does small college basketball mean to you? What does this level mean to you? It means a ton. Um, the elite players, the elite competition. Um, I really don't think people understand how good of a basketball player you have to be to play at LMU. Like it's not, um, you know, our, our guys are just as good as division one players and especially me playing at that level. You know, I know, you know, my, uh, my junior year at Tennessee tech, you know, LMU would have beat us. You know, I, I, I can admit that, um, you know, I, I, um, but it, it means a ton, the family atmosphere, you don't, you don't get the same type of atmosphere, the relationship with the players and the community um, is very special. Um, and, and to be my first time coaching, stepping into it again, you have the perspective um, and you don't, you don't know any better, obviously as a kid growing up or, you know, depends on who's in your life, but, you know, going from a division one basketball player to coaching division two, you know, I didn't know how good the basketball was really going to be. Um, and then you get there and you see the quality of player, the quality of coaches, the environment, all that's invested into this program. Um, it's very special. And obviously, you know, learning from a great coach like Josh Schertz, you know, all of these memories starting out in small college basketball coaching, um, it's going to help me moving forward. And I'll always have it with me and cherish it throughout my career. Yeah, man. Well, well, listen, great stuff. Uh, off to a great start this year continued success our team at small college basketball will certainly be following lincoln memorial as you run into the ncaa division two national tournament coach samaripis lincoln memorial thank you so much for your time tonight we appreciate you joining the small college basketball podcast thanks chris i appreciate it thank you for listening to this week's small college basketball podcast If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe for weekly episodes and interviews devoted to the incredible programs, players, coaches, and history of small college basketball. Please leave a review if you enjoyed listening to this episode and use the links attached to this episode to share the Small College Basketball Podcast. The Small College Basketball Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast episodes. You can follow the Small College Basketball Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. Please visit our website, www.smallcollegebasketball.com.